everybody. Welcome back to iZombie Radio, your source for everything iZombie related here on the DC TV Podcast Network. Uh, my name is Chris King, I'm one of your co-hosts, and as always, I'm joined by my two friends here, Blaze Hopkins and Sean Carpenter, and uh, we're ready to uh, we're ready to jump into some iZombie talk. But before that, Blaze, how you doing, my friend? I'm all good, you know, pretty tired, but uh, a little bit of a headache, but as always, uh, expecting the discussion about iZombie to lift my spirits. I think that's definitely the case with this episode, because I, uh, I love this episode. Um, and we, actually, neither of us have, like, the three of us haven't even talked about it before this podcast at all, so this is going to be, it'll be anxious to hear your guys' reactions, because I have no idea what's coming. Um, but before we get into that, Sean, how are you doing, my friend? Doing well. Uh, today, just found out that I got Employee of the Month at Target, so yay. Congrats. Or one of, like, the six Employee of the Months, because there's, like, they choose one from, like, each department or something like that. I don't know. But I saw my name, and I'm like, haha, that's me. Um, and I pretty much watched TV all day before going to work, so... Today was like I watched the episode for the first time today. So nice. Well, you're getting my hot takes. <laughs> that sounds like a good day. And yeah, we're uh, we're recording this a couple days after uh, the episode airs. It's uh, Thursday, and uh, yeah, we just had to change up our recording schedule this week. Apologies, by the way, guys. Uh, between my grad school schedule and then Blazes and Sean's work schedules, we've all been really busy, so sometimes we've been recording later. That's why some of the episodes have been getting out later. We're still going to get them to you, like, every week or so, but just in case, like, yeah, again, we, we told you that if we could give you, like, a firm date for when we get them out, we could. As of right now, just with how busy, they, busy we are this time of year, we can't. But uh, we appreciate you all listening, and also want to give a quick shout-out to the iZombie writer's room twitter for retweeting our episode uh for goonstruck uh that's pretty cool of them and uh i uh, really always like interacting with uh with the writers on twitter and it's nice when uh when they show the podcast a little love yeah it's quite nice um but without further ado i think we're all ready to dive into this week's episode which is titled Oh, it's episode six of season four, and it is titled "My Really Fair Lady," uh, which uh, definitely one of the more fun titles uh, I think we've gotten so far this season. We've got a lot of good ones. I, I like that one a lot, and uh, "Brainless in Seattle" I think are definitely uh, definitely my favorite so far. Um, but yeah, I I called it this on Twitter and in my review. I said this was just my favorite episode of the season. Um, I even liked it better than the two-parter. Uh, just upon reflection, um, I, I just think there was just so many great standout iZombie moments in this. Uh, are there any any off the top of your head you guys want to start with? Anything in particular we could talk about, you know, what happens with Ravi and Peyton? Obviously, there's a lot to talk about with Liv in this episode. I think this might have been Rose's best episode of the season, too, for myriad reasons. But, uh... Yeah, Can we consider guys... this the musical episode? Uh, a little bit. I, I guess. Mean, I mean, unfortunately, 
Yeah, even though I want a full-blown iZombie musical where Robbie and Major are both just like, why is everyone singing? But everything's just normal, like Scrub style. Yeah. Because yeah. they don't really sing, they don't want to sing, so make it so they don't. You know? It's definitely the closest we might get to one, and we also got a zombie version of Rent in the beginning there with... Uh... <laughs> With Rachel Bloom guest starring, um, which it's was, a shame which was, that she didn't get to interact with everyone else. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, it would that would that would have, definitely would have been interesting. I'm glad we got that little bit that we did though. That was that was enough for me. Again, like is, I, I like not gonna act like I'm some like music musical theater aficionado, but I'm a big fan of musicals. So getting that rent rent reference was um, was really fun. Uh, and, uh, yeah, and I think just, like, personally for me, this brain as a whole was just, what I loved about it, it was funny, and it was, um, you know, and it obviously caused Liv to just, like, be more outgoing and kind of, like, uh, just, like, ambitious and, and, and everything, and more, more theatrical, obviously, but what I liked was that it really fit with what she needed to be this week, like it fit with the story. You know, Mama Leon's team was, was kind of down and you need that inspiration. And, and so her kind of being that theater coach that, you know, and, and kind of rise, getting them to rise up, it fit really well. And like I said, Rose got to do a lot of fun stuff with it, but just like Liv's interaction, but Liv still felt like Liv's in this episode too, which I think is always the line we try to, you know, we try to figure out when we're watching an episode, like how much of it is the brain, how much of it is live, and when there's a good balance, I think we usually get um, some of the best hours of the show. Yeah, I definitely felt like it was a good balance between live and brain. Definitely, it was not like earlier in the season where the brain literally took hold, like it was a blue brain. So it was neat. Definitely. Yeah, I like that, um, I think it was, I think they used it really nicely, um, to, like you said, Chris, I think the transitioning into, it was a good transition for her to step into this role and sort of step up as a leader and an inspirer, you know, be an inspiration for the team and everything and to earn their trust and, uh. It was a fun, you know, obviously a fun way to do it as the show always accomplishes. But even by the end, I liked that, um, you know, she was really seeing, I guess, the the true results of all of these actions and everything. And even though, even though they slid in their jokes, you know, like when uh, when she's like, do we need to do another take and things like that during some serious <laughs> situations... Um, you know, it really comes through by the end when they're, you know, she gets called renegade. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and I do love those little moments. Like I, yeah, it's like when she's like fixing, she fixes the lamp to make sure that her lighting's just right for when Levon's uh, shooting the documentary. And it's like, yeah, are, are we gonna need? Are we good, or do we need to get that in a wide? Um, <laughs> those little those little moments were great and. And I like, too, how it kind of, you know, it even rubs off on the other members of the group with, uh, uh, was it Sookie, who's the girl who says, like, who ad-libs the line, and then, like, 
you know, they really they really get into it. Um, and it's it's fun, but I also feel like the stakes were still there. And like you said, Blaze, there is that that moment of like satisfaction at the end where Liv is, you know, she sees how she was able to help these people, you know, with the family reuniting. But it's bittersweet too because then she gets the flash drive from Levon and she realizes, wow, there's like hundreds of people on here and I have to choose three. And it's, I think it's a lot more complex than when she was just solving murders as a zombie. This is Liv trying to be a hero in a new way, but it's, it's a lot of responsibility and it's a lot of weight on her, especially too for, you know, what she's risking, because if she gets caught, it means death. Yeah, and I mean, I think that I appreciated that, because even in her communication to everybody else, you know, she says how it's worth it and everything, and makes them realize that, you know, even though Mama Leone Leon, um, orchestrated everything before, that this would, you know, they have to step up. It doesn't matter what they need to do to keep the, uh, you know, the railroad alive and everything. And, uh, yeah, I think it'll be interesting going forward to see how, I guess, the types of people that she decides to bring over and, you know, will will she get a little ambitious because she obviously cares about all of these people. And like you point out, you know, she views all of them as, you know, individuals who deserve to be, whether it's saved or helped, um, but... You know, there's this, like you said, the stakes are still there. I mean, like there, you know, there's still a reality of uh, death in this, and uh, even uh, even as she's being videotaped, you know, at the end there again, they point out, you know, hey, we're about to, you're about to commit a major offense, major crime, or a cap, what was it, capital offense? Yeah, capital offense. Um, and are, are you ready for that? Because if, you know, the off chance is somebody dies or gets a hold of this footage or falls into the wrong hands, uh, Liv will be kneeling on that guillotine next. Definitely. And I think what I love about that, uh, and Sean, I think I think you, I mean, I, I'd, I'd like to get your thoughts on too. What I love is that Liv doesn't seem bothered at all or even worried at all about the fact that she might die. What's what's kind of weighing on her more than anything is the fact that she can't help more people. You know, it's it's not even that, oh, like, yeah, that risk, like, I'm going to be fine. I'll worry about me. But, like, the fact that these other people might die because we can't get to them, because we can't bring them in, because we don't have those resources, that's kind of what's... Uh, what was, I guess, what is concerning her the most now, and I think that just again shows like that's 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 the we we always know and love. She's she's never worried about herself. She's much she's much too selfless for that. I don't really have much else to contribute because you guys kind of echo the same sentiment that I feel. Um, I do have a weird thought that just popped into my head. If a, if a person gets zombified and they have a specific condition, like, say, Parkinson's, 
and then it's gone because they're a zombie, does being cured restore that, or are they a new person? Like, is it completely gone out of their system when restored back to humanity? When they're restored, they are healed because you're restoring them to the current state that they're in. Yeah. see, See, I would think that if you're restoring, I would think if they were cured, it still would be in their system. That's I don't know because like I just view it as if the if as a zombie you can heal from so you're telling me if like Liv gets cured back at the end of the the show that she's just basically gonna like drop dead from all the like internal bleeding and fights no 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 I'm saying like if a cancer patient like okay an internal if a cancer patient gets scratched and they are thus cured from cancer does turning them back into a human bring the cancer back because it's still like dormant in there exactly i think the zombieism stops the growth or the deterioration of said organs for the time Mm -hmm. being you know but i don't think it eliminates the cancer like i don't think it it makes it disappear is what i'm saying because i would love for that to be explored I don't. I don't know if it will, though. Similar to the fact that I, that the show hasn't acknowledged yet whether if you're a zombie, like if you get turned zombie at like as at a as like a kid at kids yeah, a kid's age, whether you keep growing or, or not. Right. I would like to see <laughs> that addressed first, of course, because <laughs> I, you know, are these new teenage zombies that are part of Fillmore Graves going to be stuck as their little teenage gangly selves or yeah and it's it's where that show walks that weird type type uh, tightrope right because it's not supernatural it's science fiction but like how much how much are we willing to believe that this zombie virus can do you know it can turn you into this you know dead monster thing but are we going to believe that it can just stop your growth entirely I, I don't know i mean that's i'm curious what the audience would think about that when and if they answer it yeah i would love i would love to see the virus explored more once we get like season five and beyond you know sort of get through this new seattle sort of crisis that we're dealing with with the church of uh angus <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, that's, that's, that's a good thing to jump into as well, because while I'm still not necessarily crazy about the Angus storyline, I will say that it it now, now the fact that Blaine knows he's out of the well, now that he and Blaine have come face-to-face, face-to-face Blaine knows about this uh about this congregation that he started, I'm more I'm more invested than I have been all season long. I'm glad that that mm-hmm. conflict is now coming to fruition, and I also think that Blaine as a character and David Anders as a performer was absolutely great in that scene. Seeing that kind of raw, vulnerable emotion come out when he calls him like a, uh, a child abusing sob. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, 
I agree. I, it's, nice that, it's nice that there's at least a little bit more direction with that plot. And, it, you know, I, I think, agreeing with you, I, I really enjoyed Blaine at the end of that because it taps, it gives Angus, Angus as a character works so well uh, because of Blaine and that personal and emotional father-son connection they have and the back and forth of... At this point, we don't... I mean, I guess we don't technically know, you know, who's truthfully the bad guy. We know how... I mean, we know how bad Blaine is, but, you know, did... Was Angus just tough on him, or was he really that bad? And so it seems like... So I've always loved that that personal dive into... Whether it's, you know, abuse or... um, I don't know, just sort of torment in this crappy lifestyle that Blaine had because of his dad. Um, I, I think that those two characters just, they need each other to work. Or at least, Ang- I mean, Blaine doesn't need Ang- Angus. needs Blaine, though, to be the character we know and love. So I'm happy that, like you said, the he knows that he's out of the well now and there's at least a personal connection to that storyline. Definitely. I, I want to know like the internal monologue that Blaine had when he saw his dad, like, Oh crap. Was I just throwing good brains into the well? Like brains he could have used. (laughs) <laughs> and just him thinking to himself, like, how? <laughs> well, I wonder now if this is now going to cause a, a true allegiance between Chase Graves and Blaine. Because Maybe. Maybe. Now they've got a common enemy, it seems like. And, I mean, I don't know. Because, like, I don't know what Blaine's next move here is because... He's allowing them to come in every Monday for like lunch or whatever it is, and uh, I don't know how do you how do either you guys think Blaine approaches this this problem with Angus and the congregation? That's I mean it's a tough one. I think that so the congregation is such a wild card right now because everybody seems to feel so kind of creeped out and threatened by them i mean we saw when major and the cadets were you know stumbled in there how these people i mean it's a shame because all the followers in these people angus has really just given them an access for brains you know and is making sure they stay fed but it seems like they are willing to but he you know he's accomplishing this through negative and bad ways that are you know i He's not teaching them church-like values or religious values. Um, So I think it's interesting because it's definitely an army. I mean, how quickly they jumped on Blaine and just their eerie following, you know, of how they recite his and answer his wacky, well-based religious speak, you know, gospel. And uh... (laughs) do we do we think it's real? Do we think it's a? Do we think it's legitimate? That he's all, like he's actually behaving this way, or is it just a long con? I think a little bit of both. Yeah, I'm thinking, I mean, I because th- he was in that well for 
God knows how long. Yeah, like he's lo- he's definitely lost it to an extent. Okay, so I you think... think he's you think he's just gone crazy. Uh, but he l- knows how to play the game. Yes, like so I he's think... using both in tandem to sort of achieve his goals. Yes. at getting back at his son, as well as you know. I think he's sticking it to the man. Yeah, I think that it's a a mix of both. Like, he knows that he is. I think he knows that, as always, he can achieve personal gain and power, you know, by manipulating people. But at the same time, I think that he's lost it a little bit where he's sort of getting cemented and stuck in a well for however long, you know, was kind of him saying, screw it. Uh, you know, I'm just, no matter what, like whether he, we, whether he ran into Blaine or not, he would just be on this quest to get to the top at this point by any means necessary and extreme means, which is what we're saying, we're seeing. I mean, you know, it's very forceful. It's very aggressive. And, uh, you know, it's growing like a parasite. So we'll it, see. It def- it, de- it definitely is. Because yeah. the other thing I think is clearly like they're, you know, Blaine in this situation, I mean, we'll see where this goes, but I think he still, I think Angus still doesn't, he views Blaine as a, you know, a, a pebble kind of right now. He's a stepping stone when Fillmore Graves is the ultimate power holder in this new Seattle and, um, and story, and so I think that that's Angus's goal. Obviously, you know, I think he wants to. He essentially views himself as on the path to being the leader and like the righteous leader and the proper leader that this city needs. No, for sure, for sure. Yeah, it's gonna be. It's gonna be really interesting to see how this like kind of collision course happens between mm-hmm. Ang- Angus Blaine and and Fillmore Graves because you know it's coming because Fillmore Graves is not going to not going to stand for for what they're doing and I know you know that uh obviously Blaine's not going to be getting worked over by his dad like this for uh for too much longer mm-hmm. so yeah this is definitely the most invested as i said like i've been in the Angus story so i'm glad it took it here yeah, I'm glad it took this direction. I'm I'm upset it took so much screen time away earlier in the season and like took as long as it did to get here. But now that we're here, I'm 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 happy and I'm excited to see where it will go. Um because we are at that we are pretty much at the halfway point now, which is crazy to think, but um we have seven seven episodes left. Uh but uh but yeah, but I mean Blaine's Blaine's story in this episode was definitely only like one of the the kind of smaller aspects of it. I think if we're gonna say like if a, if Liv's story was the A story, I think the B story was definitely Ravi. And if we are we're calling Liv selfless, I mean, what did you guys think of what Ravi did in this episode? Man, heroin addict brain, all the Peyton. That was heavy. Yeah. The makeup, real real quick, the makeup team. Like, yeah. Props to them because they made. They made Raul look like crap. So, I won't lie, at first I was like, at first, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed the, the, like, comedics, like how he's just, A, how they used the beanie not only to cover up his hair, but to fit in with the, like, stereotypical 
junky mm-hmm. look. And then just like how he's just th- randomly like throwing up, you know, at the at the police meeting. But it shifted so quickly, <laughs> which I, you know, I definitely uh, expected to an extent. But um, yeah, no, that yeah, was I wild. Was, that was heavy. I was happy they didn't keep like didn't try to just use it for cheap humor. Like no. that, speaking as like you know. As someone whose best friend, you know, is a former heroin addict, I'm glad that they, like, gave it, they gave it, like, the seriousness it is, because, believe me, man, watching this episode and watching, like, and I'll give it to Rahul, too, like, I never went through that myself, but, you know, have been around people who have been going through withdrawal like that, and he, he made it feel real, man, and, whew, that is not something... Not something that I don't I would wish on anybody, not my worst enemy to go through. Mm-hmm. I kind of like to take it back a little bit before he ate the brain when he figured it was that time. Just seeing him just dump hot sauce on his food in Major's <laughs> face, just like, here, have some of my bagel. And he eats it and goes, is this strawberry cream cheese? No, dude, it's brains. <laughs> oh, oh, I um, I think also at least bringing up Major, that's the one thing I feel like Major was very uh, just very lightly very his his concern for his roommate and best friend being on this um, severe addict brain. See, he seemed very, pretty uh relaxed about it. Oh, you can say Major was a crappy friend in this yeah. episode. Yeah. He was just like, yeah, you know what? He like, he'd offer, he offered to pleasure me for brain, and he like ruined one of my like, or I think he so- stole one of my, uh, uh, what's it called, Fillmore Gray's uniforms. Which, <laughs> by the way, he didn't live did. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and uh, and then he's just like, peace, like Peyton, you can stay with them. Which like, obviously, we're all glad he got Peyton over there because. And I can, I'll dive more into it. Like, I think what Robbie was doing here was not this. What I loved about it was this was not like, oh, let me impress Peyton. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, let me be the nice guy, the good guy for Peyton. This was, hey, I know I, I care about Peyton. She really needs a win right now. I'm going to do everything to give her it. And also, it, this kid really needs his dog. <laughs> it, sure, that too. But I, I definitely think it was, yeah. But More uh, so A than B, but still a little bit of B. A little bit, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sure he's still thinking about Minor and how much he misses Minor. Uh, but, uh, but, yeah, I think it just was um, really great that this, to me, was like, and the reason why, you know, I think Peyton, let, you know, kisses him back at the end of the episode is this is who Ravi always was to her mm-hmm. be- before, you know, he let his insecurities last season get the better of him and acted like this, like, kind of selfish, selfish prick, for lack of a better word, at the beginning of season three. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, this was finally something that felt uh, genuine and... Uh, They've been building to that nicely this season, just with their scenes in the club and everything, and the way she's been looking at him, obviously. Uh, but this felt, it felt very earned. 
just because this rose above anything else that has sort of happened or has been done. And, uh, you know, he put his life on the line and it didn't, and it wasn't about, you know, showing off. It didn't matter if he knew he wasn't even going to tell her. And, uh, you know, that's, it was just, you know, the most selfless thing possible. Yeah, exactly. Like you said, Blaze, the fact that he didn't, um, the fact that he didn't tell her either, that she, she found out, but not, not from him. Yeah, it just, it all, it all really worked. And you also mentioned like the, the, the way Payne's been looking at him and like the comments Liv's made this season, it nicely, uh, it, it was subtly built to this reunion between the two of them. And the um, other thing I'll point out really quickly that mm-hmm. I think also highlights the impact this had on Peyton uh, in terms of it catching her, I guess catching her attention is I loved as small as it was when, you know, you do have him, him, her, and Blaine in the same room together. She doesn't, you know, there's no interaction between her and Blaine. She doesn't once look at him. It's just all Robbie. And I thought that was in a little, a nice little detail added into that scene that when it comes down to it, you know, this is who she cares about. And these are the things that matter. Well, I think Blaine was the one who called Peyton in for that. Yes, but that doesn't matter. I'm just saying. Yeah. Though. No, I'm no. I'm saying though, like, but Blaine didn't. I don't think Blaine called Peyton. I think she just. I think she just went to the zombie bar. Yes, and was just checking. I'm pretty sure she just went. Yeah, to because the I thought Donnie place. said, "Oh, like, look who showed, or like, look who's mm-hmm. here." Yeah, because okay. I think I think that's why Blaine's so kind of like disgusted. I mean, obviously because he's. I think oh. it's still clear he cares about. Or you know cares about Peyton in, in some way, mm-hmm. and he sees and sees her like, you know, being there for Ravi, but then also it's like, oh she shows up, oh and it's not for me, like you yeah, know, it's, um, yeah, but I uh, I agree, and and there there are like just little moments, like little exchanges that they had, like when like he tells her like with you I'm sure, and then. I love right before they kiss at the end and, and she says all better. And he says, yeah, getting there. And then he kisses her. I thought that was, that was just like, well done. Like mm-hmm. little small little like things where it's like, again, that, and I mean, Allie and Rahul just have great chemistry together too. So I'm, I'm here for this, even though I thought I zombie was trying to take like a step back from, from the romance. If they're going to go romantic with two people, it should be these two. How did you feel about uh, Clive and Dale, though? Still heartbroken. <laughs> uh, well, like, what did you take it, out of that last scene? You think she's gonna break up with him? Not uh, because I, of, but because she realizes the pain she's putting him through. So I have uh, two thoughts. Uh, Sean, do you want to go first? One of mine, I will forewarn people if they want to stay completely clear of speculation from next week's episode. Uh, part of my speculation has to do with what next week's brain is. So 
just to let people know in case they want to stay completely clean. But uh, go ahead, Sean, your, your thoughts first. I'm... Clive should have been up front about it with, with um, I can't remember her name. I'm really... M- M- Michelle. Michelle. Really dropping the balls on names today. Um, but he should have told her going forward before they went all Netflix and chill early on in the episode with uh, that cop movie. Um, LA Confidential. You, you bite your tongue, sir, that cop movie. One of the greatest films ever. I was pulling the name out of my head, sir. Life Confidential. It's another reason to love Clive. That movie is spectacular. Hey, you have know you what? I have not. It's on the list. <laughs> Once. Uh, dude, put it put it on there now. Real, it, like, it's uh, it's on the list. It's on the list now. It's definitely something I'm checking out. But the fact that it's still just kind of I, I don't know how to put my words into words um, for once in my life um, it's I, I honestly don't know but I feel like Dale is potentially going to break it off only because it's putting... It, it's really putting a strain on on Clive because he just he sees he hasn't even looked at any other woman at all and he knows that she's out with these other guys because she can't really have any sort of contact like that with Clive because she's a zombie and Clive's just sitting over here going what am I going to do and it just uh, it's going to break my heart regardless of what's going to happen going forward because the fact that her being turned into a zombie was so heartbreaking because she came back it was his one chance at happiness again, and it was pretty much stripped away from him again. And, you know, it just, it's a shame. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's definitely, I mean, I've, I've talked about, I think we talked about it last time. Like, it's sad no matter what. Like, Clive and Bozio together are great. Like, they're just always so, like, just such a, again, just such an enjoyable pair to have on this show. You know, they're back and forth, their chemistry. Um, and, again, just the way they make each other happy, like you said, like, with how happy Clive's been. And then, you know, I think Dale's been, Dale has always been really good with, like, humanizing Clive as well, getting him to show, like, a softer, more vulnerable side. Um but yeah, I I think eventually, I think by the end of next episode she breaks up with him. But and again, I guess slight spoiler, even though it's not a spoiler. Uh, the title of the next episode, I forget exactly what it is, but it's in reference to something like Liv eats the brain of a player. Uh, like and 
And so I think she's going to, like, try to get Clive to explore other options. Or basically drag them all out, because right? Yes, but I think she's going to try to, like, essentially be, like, coaching Clive, you know? I, I, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to me, I can see that as where, like, Dale overhears him, right? Because he even said, like, to Michelle... I don't know. I don't know. Like the first thing about how I do this, right? Or how to and yeah, so, how to play the field. Exactly. So I think Dale says, "Clive, you have to go out there and just do it. Like it's what's best for both of us." And then Clive does go out with Liv. He tries it out, and he comes back, and he he and Dale, I think, are just going to realize they can't do this anymore. But I think he kind of gives it like a good a good, like, a good faith effort, like, a good tr- college try goes out there with Liv, and then I think after we get that, at the end of the episode, is when we get the unfortunate Basio bobino breakup. How does that make you feel inside, Chris? Uh, you know what? It's like, it's like, it's like a combination of Anger, sadness, and disgust from inside out all happening at once in there. It doesn't make me feel good, man. It doesn't make me feel good. Uh, As I joked about before, man, those guys are my OTP on this show. And uh, uh, if it is the end of them, I'll miss them. Um, But, uh, you know, and I'll miss Jessica Harmon, too, because I think she's great on this show. She's really good on The 100 as well, but on The 100, she's like a much more serious character. I like that she gets to be funny and and and, and light um, with uh, with Dale, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I'll 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 miss her if this is if this is the end for her and Clive. Although I don't know where she'd be going because she's in Seattle. She's stuck there. So like, um, regardless of what happens, we'll still be seeing her. She'll I mean, she's still technically Clive's boss. In yeah, a sense, but, but I I do wonder if they'll um if if she'll if we just won't see her though you know what I'm saying like they'll just you know she's technically at the precinct but but yeah um but uh but yeah I don't know whatever whatever direction it's going and it's not good you know maybe there's a chance that uh. We, you know, by season's end, Dale gets that zombie cure from Blaine somehow because we figure out that Blaine has it. But I don't know. Um, and then she'll just have her, her, she'll have her zombieism once a month, like like Ravi. I'm not sure, but uh, I really, I hope that's where it goes by the end of the season. Um, but you know, I, I don't think it's going to unfortunately i think we're more in the i think we're heading in the direction of heartbreak but uh we are clive is everyone's everyone's gonna be sad by the end of next week i'm thinking but uh we'll have to wait and see what next week episode brings um before we before we wrap this up though i i think we because the clive and basio thing as sad as it is the sexual harassment uh, <laughs> so oh man! We, we, we'd be remiss to not talk about the talk more about the the funny aspects of of this brain and what and what Rose got to do uh, with it from 
you know, singing about going to the HR department in that scene and then acting it out with Johnny Frost who, uh, man, Johnny Frost, he really liked that Sharon, uh, that he was talking about. Yeah. Uh. Uh, um, but yeah, but we uh, we get that. Like, I want I want to hear you guys' thoughts on that. And then, of course, of course, we have to talk about finally Rose gets to use her natural accent and pretend that she's from. Well, Liv gets to pretend that she's from New Zealand, uh, and that she was an extra in Lord of the Rings to distract the security guard. Um, so, like, both of those scenes to me were just like a comedic treat, and I, I loved them from beginning to end. Uh, and I could talk about them all day. But what did Blaze, Sean? What do you guys think of them? Uh, I mean, Johnny Frost is always uh, somebody I'll welcome onto the show. So that was just amazing. Even, you know, between his scene with Liv and her acting and going off book and everything. And then the <laughs> video of him. that Just incredible. And her using her natural accent. That was fun. I'm glad they finally worked it in. And again, it was a, you know, a logical jump to, as to why just with her being on act, stage actor brain and everything fun fact uh which the internet i think the internet for they they uh point out that the bodyguard or the bodyguard the security guard is not that big of a lord of the rings fan because if he was he would have known that the battle that she says she was in or that he was in, or that he brings up, the only elf in that scene was Legolas. Oh, snap. <laughs> well, I mean, listen. So. I think he, I think he was clearly, he was clearly distracted for other reasons as well. But, <laughs> but that is, that is true. He did not know, he did not know enough about his Lord of the Rings there. I found that amusing, though. Oh, that's great, though. I think that, honestly, I think that makes the whole scene even better. Um, that's, that's, that's so funny. Also, that's... can I just, I'll just say it, like, how, like, that's a that's a great day of work, man. You get to go on the iZombie set, nerd out about Lord of the Rings, oh yeah, and your scene is you, like, just with, with the star of the show, and you get to kiss Rose MacGyver at the end of it. Like, that's, that's a pretty sweet day on the set, you know? <laughs> Like, uh, but I, I, I just felt so, I felt so bad for that guy, man. Like, especially when he's like, like, oh, is there a, is, is there like a promotion in my future? <laughs> and then he's just like, oh, the job changes that I'm going to get fired. Like, it's just, yeah. Oh, man. Sean, what did you think of the scene? That and the, the sexual harassment one. <laughs> the sexual harassment one was funny. It's, it was just funny to me that he, Johnny Frost was the one leading it because of his past. Oh man, it was it was too funny. And the fact that he was just completely uncomfortable with what Liv was saying and the fact that she went off book and it uh he was just so confused and it was great. <laughs> It's just great, and then with the uh, the other scene, it definitely it was definitely nice to see her in her natural voice. Um, given that's how she does literally everything else in life, besides the roles she plays. So 
now we've seen Rose trickle into the show way more than really ever because she looked like a how she normally looks in a couple episodes and now she got to use her natural accent like whoa yeah for a character I... that isn't you know supposed to already have an accent and is supposed to look like the actor given yeah the show I'm... I'm really curious, going off of that, like, again, her looking like herself and everything, I'm wondering if Liv's going to have to um, tan and die in order to kind of do more of these operations and be less uh, conspicuous. Maybe. Because, because if people start seeing, you know, one of Seattle's few, you know, pale, pale white-haired zombies going around... um. It's gonna and and she's she's always doing something crazy, you know. She's always on the docks or at a secure facility or something like that. Like, <laughs> so it's, it's not gonna be hard to point her out. Um, but yeah, I I think uh, that's pretty much. Oh, and the guy's line, uh, which I will say now, great line. What does Andy Circus have to do to get an Oscar? And I agree with you, sir. What does Andy Circus have to do to get an Oscar? Um, I thought that was a, I thought that was like a really fun, um, another fun kind of like reference to to throw at the nerdy fans. But uh, but yeah, is there anything else you guys want to touch on though before we wrap this up? I mean, I think we we covered most of pretty much everything. Oh, what do you think? Real quick, last thing. Um, I'm curious if anyone else picked up on this. So when Yvonne's telling Liv about how he's a filmmaker, he mentions that, like, briefly he mentions that he he has, like, a friend on the outside or something, but she cuts him off. Do we think that was important at all or what? Like, I'm curious what you guys think. Like, am I just being crazy and reading into this? Or, like, do you think we're going to find out? Are we going to be surprised with what we find out about Yvonne as the season goes on? I think there's definitely more to him that they're revealing, so I wouldn't be surprised if that came into play somehow. Uh, It could be as simple as down the road when they actually do get this documentary finished or at least completely shot. uh, They have a way to get it out into the public and outside of only New Seattle. And I know, obviously, with technology and whatnot, that they can upload it themselves, but... As soon as anybody sees it in New Seattle or Fillmore Graves gets their hands on it or sees it, uh, they're obviously going to come for Liv and whoever else they can find that is associated with it. So I think that it could be as simple as that, as a guaranteed outside source. Uh, But yeah, I think he just has more tricks up his sleeve and more to reveal that we'll find out. Sean, anything bad? He just—I don't know. He seems like he's—I—I I feel like it is gonna play in, but not yet. Given that we we are at the halfway point, so things are escalating, but. 
it's not to that point where things need to be escalated enough. I would say like within the last like three or four episodes. So within the next like two to three episodes or so, things should ramp up to that point where we get like the here's what's happening in the real world sort of scenario to sort of spark what's going to come as we reach the climax of the season. Um, Levon as a character definitely doesn't seem like there's more there with him, as Blaze said, than meets the eye. Um, but I don't know what yet because we only have had this character for two episodes and not much else about him. So I couldn't even begin to speculate. Um, no, for sure. I, I agree. Like, I don't have an answer. I was just curious because, uh, I don't know. I just think that that scene was too, it just felt too intentional. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we'll have to find out for, we'll have to wait and see for another episode to find that out. Um, but yeah, for right now, that's gonna, I think, wrap it up for us this week, guys. And, uh, before we go though, uh, we will, as always do our plugs and Sean, you can start us off this week, my friend. Alrighty, so I'm on Twitter and Instagram at SnarkySean. Um, I host two other podcasts. We've got my Psych Rewatch podcast, uh, Delicious Flavor, uh, which should have an episode out on Tuesday. So if this episode's out before Tuesday the 17th, be prepared for our episode on Tuesday the 17th. The episode of Psych titled Tuesday the 17th. Um, and I've got the Geekishly Toku podcast, which covers superheroes, just spandex-clad or not. Um, and I still technically am the uh, pop culture editor over at the Marvel Report, so there's stuff happening. Um, that's all I can say, because that's all I know. Oh, and uh, if you Go on my Twitter. You'll see me potentially tweeting about Power Rangers because I'm rewatching everything. Yay! There you I'm go. There you go. Almost, almost done with season one. Nice. All right. Well, it's a slog. <laughs> <laughs> well, for uh, those who are maybe rewatching Power Rangers as well, they can check that out for sure. And then, uh, Blaze, where can people find? And you on the end. You can find me at Blaze Hopkins on Twitter. Um, check out my Flash catch-up reviews. Um, yeah, just pushing through a busy time at work otherwise. So I've been kind of dormant, but uh, I mm-hmm. am bouncing through the Power Rangers comic volumes. Uh, so I'll probably push, put my thoughts out about those and... Uh, yeah, you know, just keep an eye out on there for everything I have going on. Maybe a comic convo? Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. And uh, you guys can always find me on Twitter, at CKinger13. Uh, you got my reviews of Arrow every week, um, Riverdale and Supergirl every other week, because Supergirl will be back uh, this coming Monday, the 16th. 
and now New Girl because New Girl is back on. Uh, so definitely busy on there. And then um, the the what I'm about to talk about will be posted before this episode is, but uh, on Friday, April 13th, so tomorrow. Uh, cool thing I got to write for my friend Derek Driscoll um, over at uh, a website called The Overthinkers. They're doing an Infinity War countdown, and I got to write a retrospective on Captain America, the first Avenger, uh, which is one of my very favorite Marvel films. And I think if you haven't watched it in a while, maybe give my give my piece a read and, and revisit it, because I think it doesn't get the uh, the creditor claim that, uh, that it deserves. Um, but yeah, that's going to do it this week for us, guys. As always, you can find us on uh, Twitter and Facebook at iZombie Radio. Uh, make sure you like and follow DCTV Podcast as well. Um, if you're into the other DC shows, even though they're all inferior to iZombie. Uh, yeah, I said it. Fight me. And, oh, uh, snap. And, uh, oh, they are. 100%, man. Hey, oh, I, snap. I, I review Arrow every week. Arrow's become a slog. I'm like eight episodes behind on Flash. You know, I'm sorry. I'm seven behind on Legends. There's a reason why I, I keep up with iZombie. Um, but Bebo, oh, the god of war. I, yeah, whatever, man. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, yeah, and so do all that. Follow that. We're going to get out of here because it's like almost one o'clock on the East Coast. Good night. Have a good weekend. Have a good week whenever the hell you're listening to this, and we'll see you all next time. Bye-bye.